Good afternoon, Australia. Thank you for joining me here on this episode 31 of the Fifth Estate Podcast. Uh, this is a pre-recorded one. It was recorded yesterday afternoon, so you'll hear me talk about Friday a fair bit. Um, it was a bit of a long week, and uh, yeah, so you'll hear me talk about Friday in this episode. So it was recorded yesterday. Uh, this is with the special guest, uh, my special guest, or our special guest, uh, Robin Tudor. She's back again, and we delve into not only things woo related, but we also talk about... Uh, the Great Reset, um, what else is there? And a whole lot of other things that, you know, I, I it's a bit of a long one, but I truly think it's worth listening. Um, so sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Here we are again with Robin Tudor for part 15 million of the ongoing things. I, I think I'm just going to stop calling it parts and just say regular guest from now on. Um, Robin, thank you for joining me again. Thank you for having me back on. I'm, I, I feel really honoured to be a regular, a regular guest. Sounds cool. Yes, it does. And um, greatly, um, let's say, the, the, the pleasures or whatever it is, I'm losing... It's Friday. I'm losing words and everything like that. Um, but the honour's <laughs> mine. I mean, I'm so grateful that you've you've taken time out to have a chat to me again. Uh, and well, we've got a whole new chapter to unfold, haven't we? <laughs> we do. We do. And before we get into that, just for those who came in late, um, let's hear, <laughs> let's hear a bit of a um, reader's digest of who you version of who you are um, and all that sort of stuff, and then we'll go through where we can find you um, at the end. Yeah, fabulous. Okay, so I am a, a I suppose you call me, call me a natural therapist, although I, I cordially detest that title. So my initial training was in naturopathy. I have a diploma in naturopathy. I have a graduate diploma in counselling. I have a Bachelor of Health Science with honours, which is essentially a public health degree. And uh. I'm also certified. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, that, that certainly gives me um, a perspective. <laughs> on our current situation. Um, I'm a certified lifestyle medicine practitioner and a fellow of the Australasian College of Lifestyle Medicine. So really, I've, I've devoted my entire adult life anyway to helping people with their health, you know, helping people who uh, have been struggling with chronic health problems, whether it be diabetes, obesity, depression, you know, ulcerative mm. colitis, you name it. Um, and I... I, I am a nerd. I, I've always liked, you know, reading science. And I guess when the whole COVID uh, palaver began, my interest in, was, was, was in, okay, what is this thing? What, what is the science about it? And as it very, very rapidly became clear to me that the actual data about this virus and who was susceptible and what the death rate was, was not matching up with, with public policy, that got me really interested. So that's when I started delving into what is this public policy response all about and who is behind it and what are the historical roots of this and also where the hell is this going <laughs> or where do they want to push it, more to the point. So, yeah, that's, that's me. And, and we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on your last bit, where they want to push it later on because there's so much stuff that I want to talk to you about and get your thoughts and, and comments on. But 
going back to to what you know th- th- this whole thing about COVID and everything like that. Um, did you get a chance to to see the um, March one, I think, or March two um, Pfizer document dump? I have had a, a look, not as detailed a look as I would have liked to, but I I've seen some of the some of the key, you know, I've, I've perused some of the key documents that have been spoken about a lot. And previously, of course, in in the in the first tranche of the document dump, we had the startling revelation that. Um, there have been over 1,200 deaths reported to to Pfizer, um, and this this is just spontaneous reports, right? This this isn't an active pharmacovigilance study. This is just spontaneous reports of death, and it was 12 yeah over 1,200 in just the first two months. So the latest the latest tranche of the document dump has the delightful nine pages of adverse reactions. So that that's a fun read, and. Oh, there's all sorts of other revelations that have come out, uh, of course, like the stupendous sum, I think over 2.3 million, that Pfizer paid the FDA for a sort of expedited review of their of their product. So, yeah, I, I confess I have not had enough time to really go through these documents, but there's a lot in there. I mean... What, the, caught, what caught your eye? I think that, that for me it was the sheer volume of documents that uh, is mm. just there and and how a regulatory slash approval body can go through that and mm. and have an informed decision. Now, listening to that, um, listening to other podcasts and all that sort of stuff, um, found out a bit more with the – and apologies if I get this in the wrong order or anything like that. I'm only going from memory. From what how I understand it is in the US, if a drug is given an emergency use authorization – that the FDA becomes the sponsor rather than, you know, like if um, Acme Medicines has a new drug that they want to bring to market, they're the sponsor, so they go to the FDA FDA for approval. When it's under um, emergency use, the FDA is the sponsor and the regulator or approver. So there's that massive conflict of interest there. They're pushing something onto market that they're getting to approve and then how I understand it is that Pfizer and BioNTech and, and all those other big companies that use that mRNA technology are licensing that product. And, you know, just, I mean, how they can go through all those documents and make an informed choice is is just baffling, which we know. Well, yeah, clearly they can't. Yeah. I mean, they they approved they approved the Pfizer, well, they, sorry, they did not approve it. Uh, they gave it emergency use authorization. In what was it? Uh, about 100 and 120, 130 days, something like yeah. that. And yet they initially applied for what would have been 55 years to reveal those documents. And then they said, "Oh, look, we we, we found a couple of you know 100,000 pages more. Now we want 75 years." Yeah. So so what? It it, it takes you uh, a couple of months to review all those documents and say, "Yep, uh, this product is good. Let's put it on the market." But then you want 75 years to go through all those documents with a fine-tooth comb and reject all, all the bits that basically indicate that you've acted criminally and so yeah. faster. Yeah. And, and, and then their, their claim for why they needed so long was that they simply didn't have staff to carry out that review. Yeah. And then, then, of course, Pfizer, Pfizer pops up and says, we'll help you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> we'll help you go through those documents. Mm. All right, then. And... Thankfully, thankfully, there are 
there, there are still some courts within the US that aren't totally corrupted. And of course, the, you know, the, the, the judge in this case said, I don't think so. <laughs> Get back, Pfizer, and FDA cough up. Mm. So, uh, yeah, but, but without... Now, and, and here's, what is, here's what really sticks in my crawl, right? We, well, Americans were told, and, and of course the rest of the world heard it, that the fact that the FDA, or the, the, the fact that these products were going to be, uh, the, the, well, that the normal process of testing was going to be truncated, we were all assured that, that that did not mean that they were going to cut any corners. They, they told us that they were going to go through a full review. And also, the FDA promised full transparency. That, that was their promise. They said, okay, the trade-off for us kind of rushing this one is that we will be completely transparent with the public taking this thing, allow it to go on the market. And, and then for them to, to then say, well, we won't, ho- we, we won't hand over these documents unless you make it, you have to take us to court to, to do that. You know? And it was this, um, this coalition of, of physicians and scientists who, who had to sue the US government. They had to sue the FDA to get them to release these documents. Transparency, my aunt, Fanny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think through this whole thing any regime has been transparent. Um, I know, speaking from Victorian experience, um, the uh, our Supreme Leader, Dan Heer, has promised, you know, with his new bill there's going to be transparency and all that sort of stuff, yet still hasn't released the medical advice. It's only the CHO's opinion to the incompetent health minister. Um, this is the discussion we had. So that's minuted and, and a bit of a word-for-word and all that sort of stuff, but there's still no advice. Um, now, on, on, on that note, uh, I have applied to the Department of Health in Victoria for an FOI request of, of his emails or communication with the, FDR, sorry, with the Department of Health and the NIAID, and that mm. has hit a, hit a wall because they don't have enough staff to action that request due to the pandemic. So... My option is <laughs> yeah, my option is I either go to VCAT and say that they haven't done it or I go to the information commissioner and say that they haven't done it, in which case that's more bureaucracy going on. Um, you know, they've assured me. Delays. Yes, they've assured me they're looking for it. They can't give me a time frame of when it is or how much information there is. So, you know what, are you, are you freaking hiding something or what? Is it, um, and yeah, <laughs> the, the answer to that is pretty obvious, isn't it? Yes, yes. Um, so, but anyway, um, so uh, aren't things getting better up in your neck of the woods? I think things are just slowly ratcheting backwards here, but I am genuinely concerned that come May, um, the um, uh, reins are going to be tightened a little bit more and um, the, the screws are going to be clamped on us, depend, you know, depending on who wins. Um, and yeah, yeah I, I... This, this is this is such an important important thing to discuss because people are starting to get too relaxed. They're they're thinking, oh, everything's going back. The uh, vaccine passports have been dropped in New South Wales. Here in Queensland, we no longer have the mask mandate in place, but. I still can't go into, you know, a restaurant, a club or sort of other venues. Not that I want to go to a club, but anyway. Um, it, it's my right as a person who lives in this country 
to go into any premises that that I that I want to, you know, if I fulfil their criteria, and and I still can't go to any of these places, and I haven't really been keeping up to date with what's happening in Victoria, but yeah, so so things are things are sort of gradually appearing to get better, and this is an extremely dangerous moment, you know, because a lot of people haven't really thought about this too deeply or haven't looked into who the players are and what the play actually is, are going to be thinking, oh, well, that, that whole COVID thing, geez, that was nasty, wasn't it? But now everything's going back to normal and they're going to take their eye off the ball. And believe me, I know you know this, but just to affirm to your audience, this was only Act 1. Yes. They had so much more in the pipeline. And the, the, the really problematic thing is that they... Uh, that the last two years have basically been establishing proof of concept. Yep. So now they, 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 you know, they then those um, have now proven, they've now shown beyond, beyond all, all doubt that you can make people, you can manipulate people into being ridiculously scared of something that is not a serious risk to, to the vast majority of people. You can force them to stop seeing people that, that they know and love and care for and uh, pull their kids out of school and be satisfied with very mediocre, you know, so-called homeschooling substitute. You can make people close their businesses. You can essentially disrupt all of society. Oh, yes, you can make people think that it is okay for, for the government to track them wherever they go by having their little QR code app or their, their vaccine passport on their phone. So uh, you, you, they've also established proof of concept, yes, you can get people to turn against their family members, their friends, their colleagues, their neighbours. You can get them to become just ridiculously outraged by anyone who is not complying. All that has been established in the past two years. Do you, do you think that that is not going to be? Hang on, you just dropped out there. Oh, sorry, am I, yeah. am I back on? Yeah, 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 you just, you just yep. faded okay. away. Oh, sorry about that, yeah. Um, You've got to stop moving around, so, you know, you got to stand on that left foot with your oh, right arm wrapped around your left ear. I'm being really still, honestly. No, it's uh, probably just the dodgy phone reception uh, yeah. here. Uh, yeah, so, so having established proof of concept, that you can get people to basically be like performing seals. You can get them to do whatever you darn well please if you just throw them a few fish in between that. Then this is going to be all everything that's been learned over the past two years about what people will and won't do, uh, about who the the non-compliers are and how they can be isolated and and punished and how you can get the herd to turn upon them. All this will be used. Again and again and again. Okay. Now that you've mentioned that and, and brought it up that way, I think I will use that as a good segue into talking about the you know the supposed conspiracy theory of the Great Reset and social credit and everything like that. Now, with what you've just said, they've put it in practice like full on. They, they've switched, flipped the switch from just being a trial and a test as we've seen with the Wu flu to actually how it is fully operational. I mean, um, um, Justin Castro did it in Canada with his um, emergency authorization when he just depersonified all the people who were lawfully protesting. And yes, even... he called it an illegal protest, which is which is plainly untrue. Mm. Uh, Canadians have the right to protest. 
have the right to go to their own capital city and make their make their uh, their thoughts known to their so-called leaders. And not only that, and 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 personally, I think he and his uh, little WEF uh, buddy there, Christia Freeland, mm-hmm. I I think that they actually kind of um, jumped the shark when they uh, seize the, the bank account yep. of people who made, like they, they, they seized the, the donation funds or they basically, you know, stopped um, Gibbs and Go from being able to distribute donated funds to, to the truckers and the other protesters. But where, where they really crossed the line, and as they, you know, jumped the shark, they, they then took it upon themselves to uh, freeze the, the bank account, basically seize the assets of people who've made donations. And I, I kind of imagine them getting a, a phone call in the middle of the night from, from Uncle Klaus there saying, you idiots, you morons, you gave it away too soon. You can't let the plebs know that this is what we have in store for them. And maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, but the, the fact that, that um, uh, Trudeau abruptly dropped the uh, state of emergency that he declared, and then, wouldn't you know it, the following day, uh, you know, Vlad, Vlad the Inhaler uh, goes into Ukraine. Mm. thought, geez, that's convenient, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> and but that's the thing is that I, you know what, I, my thoughts, are, it, it was part of a plan. It was just to see what the pushback would be from people. And it, it could well be. There it wasn't well that much be. pushback because they've uh, demonised the people who were, um, you know, Allegedly causing illegal blockades but, and everything there, like that. There, there was there was a bit of a run on the banks, though. It wasn't now. It, it, you know, if I <laughs> I wish it had been a massive run on the banks. I I really wish that everyone in Canada had basically gone. Heck, I'm getting my money out of this institution, and that that would have really uh, created some some havoc and and set the plans back. But it, even even the the relatively small number of people who did go to the bank, close their accounts, pull their funds out, the, the banks that were participating in this is, is what I mean. I think that did uh, let Trudeau and Freeland know, oh, we've, we've gone a little too far. So, so yes, yeah, so much of this is is uh, what, what David Icke, which people love to laugh at, says, hey, he's been right a lot. But he, he calls it the totalitarian tiptoe, right? So... Uh, you, you encroach on people's freedoms and you you sort of push them back and push them back and push them back and, and they give ground initially and then they reach a point where they go, no, you push them too far. Then they make a stand. And so then the totalitarian steps back and says, oh, okay, all right, we can have this one back. And then the person or the people that they're affecting say, oh, good, well, that's, that's fine. Then everything's back to normal. And then they get pushed back, pushed back, pushed back until they make a stand. So... Yeah, this this is probably what has happened in, in Canada. Now, did they plan it to see what they could get away with? Did they reveal their hand too soon? I don't know. We're going to have to judge by, by subsequent um, events, I would say. But, I mean, okay, so my thoughts on that, that was just phase one of a test to see how that, you know the public would respond to um, you know that happening against a small... Mm. Um, you know, something small. Whereas, have a fringe look, minority with yes, unacceptable views. Yes, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um, so then they've ramped it up, and look what they're doing in Russia now. And I mean, all yeah. these companies have turned around and said, "No, we're not supplying the Russian people." Like, really? Mm. 
Why? Mm. For, for what reason? And it's come down to reputational risk. Yeah. And that is, um, uh, you know, uh, for those who have heard it before or haven't, it's, you know, ESG, yeah, environmental, social justice and governance, and it's all your reputation. It's not what you've, ha- you've done or you haven't done or, you know, or criminal charges. Or the quality charges. of your product or your service yes. or anything like that. Yes, it's on your reputational risk. And, mm-hmm. you know, McDonald's abandoned stores, fully stocked stores, um, all these things, all these, you know, big multi-million dollar, billion dollar, whatever businesses have just left Russia and abandoned their products because of reputational risk. Um you know, it's just um, extraordinary. So, yeah, I mean, you know, have, have a look at the value that they've lost on their IP when these products that they've left there can easily be copied now because, hey, mm. you know, Russia's going to have a, have a, you know, whatever's um, and all that sort of stuff. And, and it all does relate to social credit, ESG, and the Great Reset. It's just. Yeah. And it's, isn't it amazing that people, some people, uh, <laughs> that's. I better not put an epithet on them because it'll end up being, um, you know, X-rated and, and your podcast won't be able to be listened to. Uh, but the, the, the people who, is, who are still calling the Great Reset a conspiracy theory, I, I don't even know what to say about them. I mean, Klaus Schwab wrote a book called COVID-19 and the Great Reset. Okay? Yes, I have <laughs> it beside me. I have it beside me. <laughs> oh, God, I hope you didn't actually pay for it, did you? <laughs> I did, I did. I, I was happy to do that because um, I really want to see what yeah. they want to do and for people to yeah. say, and, and, and this is another thing, pulling, um, continuing down the, the whole you know, conspiracy theory path, is that on, on that wonderful social forum, Twitter, there's people turning around saying, oh, but hey, I've read this book, it's just his view. Well, yes, it may be his view on what he wants the world to be and maybe a bit of wishful thinking on his part, though when he gets out in public and says that um, Justin Castro and other um, graduates of the Young we, Leaders thing... We have thing penetrated the has, cabinet. ...has penetrated <laughs> the cabinet. I mean, that is freaking scary. And, I mean... Um, yep. Who is it? Sarah Hansen Young is proudly a young, um, young global leader. Young global leader. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, and mm-hmm. so is Grace Tame. Oh, I did not know that. Yes, so is Grace yeah. Tame. There you go. Yes, yeah. and it's um, you know not. And of course, Jacinda Ardern is yes. a famous yes. alumnus, and so is so is Trudeau, and and I was. Um, uh, that you know this this video clip that we're talking about. Hopefully your um, your listeners have seen this. Um, Schwab also mentioned Putin, mm. so that was interesting, and and that's what really made me wonder when when Putin did go into Ukraine. Like, is this is is he just play acting? Is is this all a way of achieving that that WF agenda? I, I don't know if you've seen the video that uh, WF put, put out some time ago. That it was like 10 predictions for what the world would be like in 2030. And one yeah. of their predictions was that the US will no longer be the world's sort of single superpower. It yes. will be a multipolar world. Yes. So, so Putin goes into Ukraine and the West says, well, we're not buying your oil and we're going to embargo uh, you know, every other product. We're going to put sanctions on you and we're going to cut you out of the, the banking system. And so China says, come over here and play with us. We've, we've got a digital yuan. Why would you want to trade in US dollars anyway? So 
is is this the making of the you know, at least the bipolar world rather than this unipolar world where where the US is the global superpower? You know, there there are so many other threads to pull on on the Ukraine issue, but that's that's one thing I wondered. It is, and I mean, um, I I don't think um, Putin is a true believer of what Klaus is putting out. My, I I doubt it too. I doubt it too. It might, I, my my impression of Putin is that uh, he would have gone along for the ride just to see what 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 they were on about, and mm. then kept his own counsel. Yes, and, and same as Xi Jinping. Um, mm-hmm. He's not a true believer of it. But they see both of them see the um, economic value of the oh. um, Western regime collapsing. So then they yes. can start their own because they're the suppliers of everything. Like Russian oil's worth, you know, very little now, whereas they can sell it cheaply and everything like that. China's the the big um, manufacturer of everything, though they've gone back into the lockdown again, which is going to make products hard, harder to source because of supply chain problems and everything like that. And I, I think it is again. All, is 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 that part of the plan? It, that I think that is part wonder. of the plan because China's already got their system set up. They've already got their social credit score set up. They've already yeah. got everything set up, so they don't need to do anything. Um, whereas uh, us Western countries, whose um, central banks are still, you know having um, a fiat currency, uh, you know, there needs to be a trigger for them to be able to convert to a digital one. And, yeah. you know, inflation's yeah. not that high. The dollar hasn't been devalued that much to justify it, though, um, <coughs> pardon me, um, come... Is it COVID? Um, it, it, it's long COVID. Let's just say that. Um, I, I'm not sure whether I had the Wu flu... A year and a half, 12 months ago, um, I've developed asthma since it, since then. So I'm not sure whether it was Wu flu or RSV and developed asthma. And if I start talking too much or it's cold and then the, the cough start mm. um, and all that ah, sort of stuff. So, that's, um, that's irritating. Yeah, it, it's, it's a pain, especially when it's getting cooler down here in Victoria and <gasps> have a suck of air. And But, you know, I just take my puffery with me and, oh, it's asthma, it's not COVID. So people really don't give a look <laughs> anymore. Um, but going back to the, the thing is that yeah. um, oh, now I lost my train of thought. Um, Sorry, that was me. No, 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 no. I, I coughed. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's all of a plan. So, um, yeah. so that's where I was going. So yeah. You were talking about supply chain disruptions. Yes. Um, and then with that, with converting to the digital dollar, I think that greatly depends on who wins the Commonwealth election out here and mm. then – um, potentially who wins the Victorian election. Now, I'm not saying that the fate of the nation rests on Victoria, um, but I think... It is, a, it is a kind of a bellwether, though. Yes. I mean, honestly, if if Victorians re-elect Andrews, I, I would seriously consider leaving this country. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, I mean, and that, that's what I think it is, is, is it's going to be the, the litmus thing to see how far Palaszczuk and um, McLean or McGowan or... Um, mm. can push people because if Andrew gets booted out, then they know the writing's on the wall for them. So they've got to yeah. pretend that they're the working class hero. And it, it, it looks like Marshall's going to lose in, in South Australia. That's yeah. an interesting one to watch. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see whether how fortified that election was. Um, <laughs> and, like, I really don't trust 
any of them. Um, my, I mean, so my crystal ball thoughts are is that regardless of who wins in uh, May, that come November, probably from um, September or maybe August, um, depending on when his three months is, that there'll be another pandemic declaration, which he's going to extend that till whenever he can, whenever he gets told mm, to stop it. Indeed. But I think it's going to come down to the point where there's going to be harder lockdowns and it'll be um, majority postal voting in the election because we can't have mm. that many people turning up like, hey, yeah, you can go and vote in person, but you have to wear a face diaper, you have to be triple vaccinated or quadruple vaccinated. And you have to QR code to get in. And you have to stand 1.5 metres away from the person in front of you. And people are going to look at that and think, F that for a joke, let's do a postal vote. You do a postal vote, once it comes out of the main envelope, then you know what? Massive opportunity for fraud. Um, Potential, yes. Not saying it does happen or it doesn't, though there have been a number of... Um, local government elections that have been um, investigated by Victoria Police and charges laid over fraud mm-hmm. on that. Wow. So okay. who's to say mm-hmm. it can't happen at... And it's all run by the same department too, Victoria and Electoral Commission, not saying that there's any nefarious actions from them or anything like that, um, but, you know, there is the opportunity for it. Um, and also... I, the, I, I think you, you know, you'd have to be so naive to have shots in any institution of yes. government now. It yes. really would. And, and that... So that comes back into one of the things of the Great Reset is the like loss of trust. Mm. That the average person doesn't trust any institution anymore. It doesn't matter whether it's it's the medical profession because they've bullshitted to us. They've they've been um, uh, controlled by the uh, faceless people at APRA, um, APRA, APRA, yeah. one of them. Um, anyway, whatever it is, one of the the four letter agencies. Tomato, I say tomato. Yeah. Um, for that. And, you know, you can't see your GP anymore because they're big commercial entities and they just, yeah. they're meat grinders, just turn you, that's, one person, that's in, right. spit it they, out, spit they it have, out, spit they it have out. allowed themselves to be swallowed by the machine. Yes. And the, the, days, the days of the, the GP who just had his or her, usually his, you know, when I was a child it was usually GPs or male and there was there was one or two of them who, who had a little practice and, they they knew you and they knew your family and yeah that's those days are gone. They're uh, mostly employed and uh, that means that they, they they basically they they cannot perform their duty of care to their patients. You just can't. No, it's an independent professional. There's there's somebody else in the consultation room. There's the doctor. There's the patient. And there's the state basically, yep. or at the very least, there's their employer. Yep. Yep. And, you know, it, it's, yeah, it, you know, it, it, it is one of those things is that it is um, very concerning that, okay, we're medical fraternity is gone. We don't trust journalists mm. anymore. We don't trust the government. We don't trust law enforcement because they've shown that they're not there for us. They're just the enforcement arm of the state. Mm. We don't trust whatever else, what else, banking we don't definitely don't trust because they don't give a whoop to you about us. They're just after profits. We, we, we need a great reset. Yes, we do. Wouldn't it be good um, if that happened? Now, talking about that, I, something occurred to me about that I did want to raise when you mentioned it just a couple of minutes or a minute or so ago, um, and I want to pick your brain about why you said that when you said that you've got the right to go to places. 
doesn't the and and pushing the libertarian thing, which you know, um, we both um, subscribe, agree, um, accept some of the views, if not all, or whatever else, um, or even the um, um, free market anarchist version. Why? But doesn't the pub private business have the right to refuse service? The private business has the right to refuse service if I do not fulfil uh, criteria. So, so I'm thinking of specifically the owner of a hotel. Okay, so this is a case where the owner of a, of a hotel has the right to refuse entry or refuse service to someone who is perhaps inappropriately dressed, mm-hmm. someone who is, who is clearly fully tanked, um, and, and would be a danger to themselves and, and, and possibly other patrons if they were served any more alcohol, the owner of that business has the right to refuse entry or, or to demand that someone leave if they are behaving aggressively. So I, I fully support those rights. What I don't support is the notion that some business can say, well, you can't, you can't enter my premises because you have not had some medical procedure. That's just completely unacceptable. I mean, from from the science angle, it's ridiculous because, as you know and I know, those injections don't stop people from getting infected and they don't stop people from transmitting the, you know, the virus in question. So there's no scientific basis for it. But there's also no, there's no moral basis for it. That's what I object to. Okay, so it, it's more along the lines of that you've got concerns about all these private businesses being modern-day fascists, which is the government dictating policy. It is outright policy. discrimination. Yeah. It is outright discrimination. Dictating government, you know, the, the government the, the government is using private businesses to enforce policies that they can't do yeah. themselves. And that's, and that's corporatism. And mm. as you know and I know, how did Mussolini describe corporatism? He described it as a merger between the corporation and the state. So mm. would these, and, and that's, that's, that's a, an important point to raise, isn't it? Uh, that that the, w- the way that you framed the question was, you know, do I believe that a private business has the right to refuse my entry? Well, it's not like they came up with the idea, is it? No, Government no. delegated that to them. So, you know, our, our fearless leader, uh, Scummo, said initially, oh, no, we're, we're not going to make this... Sorry. Um, initially he said um, that... It, it, you probably recall the, the, the press conference in which he made this statement. He said, when someone asked him if it was going to be mandatory, he said, well, I was the Minister for Social Services who brought in no jab, no play, so, you know, what do you think? And then, of course, there was a furor over this. I think at that stage even the president of the AMA said, hold on a moment, we're not into mandates for this. And then, then Morrison walked it back and said, oh, no, no, this is a free country and, and, and there's, no, there's no sort of federal right. To, to force this upon people. So and, then, and so, so then he was saying, oh, no, no, it's not mandatory. We're not going to make you do it. But instead they, they, they delegate essentially the state and, and private businesses to do their dirty work for them. So, again, what are we looking at? We're looking at corporatism. Yes, and that's, that, that's it. That's where it's come. And, I mean, okay, going down the, the corporatism path, um, we've seen... Uh, some of the big chains and, um, you know, big multi-state um, organisations turn around and mandate it across the board and they're using the justification of health and safety reasons. Um, there was that big, um, uh, what was it? 
I can't remember which mining company it was, um, where their uh, mandate got overturned at the Fair Work Commission. But it was and BHP. Yeah, BHP. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was only because of they didn't fulfil the consultation clauses within the um, the enterprise agreement and all that sort of stuff. Now, it, it's the, the commission hasn't turned around and said, no, you can't do it because, you know, I think the commission's going to stay out of that one, um, especially after um, Deputy President Dean got re-educated after she passed mm. her comments and her, her dissenting opinion. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's the thing is that, um, uh, yeah, it, it, they're going to stay out of it because I, it's not something that they can play in um, because they're only limited in what they can do. Uh, and if any business turns around and says, hey, I'm, I'm sacking you because you haven't got the jab, well, they fully deserve anything that they get, which... You know, in, in the views of Fair Work Commission, yes, that would be harsh, unjust and unreasonable. Whereas if they turn around, if the business turns around and says, hey, we've got to terminate your employment because you're not um, complying with government regulations, then mm. that is fair, just and reasonable. So it comes down to the, the wording on Even though it's the same thing, it comes down to the wording on it. And I don't think there's any yeah. business that will turn around and uh-huh. do that. So going back to the consultation clause is that it doesn't matter what you do, if you consult enough and generally consider the the uh, input of the employees, you can do anything for health and safety reasons. In other words, it's basically a tick the box exercise. Yes. All right, we consulted. We, we we put an ideas box out there, and you you put your slips in there, and and we pulled them out, and we read them, and we laughed. We tore them up, and and then we we, we poured ourselves a scotch, and then we we wrote whatever we wanted, yes. and the government rubber stamped it. So. These big chains are doing that for stuff saying, no, it has to be across the board. Well, you know, I, I mean, I'd like to see um, – actually, no, I, I, I don't want to see it, though if it was to happen, I would like to see it where an employee did participate in this therapeutics trial, which they were um, told they had to, to stay employed, and then that um, employee or the estate – and I, I'm not – Wishing that on anyone, so please don't get me I, wrong I, on I that. I understand where you're going. Um, you, don't, you don't want to see someone no. die, but let's face it, it's going to happen. Yes, and I would like to see them sue these companies saying, hey, yep. you mandated this for no health reasons, for no genuine health reasons. Let's see you cough up. And it, it's a thing is that I think there's going to be a lot of hush-hush money there. Um Oh, without a doubt. Without Anyone a doubt. who brings a claim like that is going to be offered a settlement. Yes. It, um, it, here's your shut up money, go away. Yes. And and this is the thing is that especially in light of, of the, the the release from the Pfizer documents is that how can any government still have it mandated, which, you know, we've got it still mandated in Victoria. And there's yeah. talk, I mean, the, the mandate for the third one came in last Saturday or last Sunday. Um, so there's talk of new supply chain problems because of that. Um, but, you know, how can oh, – actually, I know how they can, so I'm not going to ask that rhetorical question because I know the answer, how they can do it and why they're doing it and everything like that. But at what point will the, do the public turn around and say no? When the fourth? Is it the fifth? Well, why is it the fifth? Why yeah. wasn't it the first? That's a good question. It's one that, it's one that I turn over and over in my mind. Like what, what does it take? How many signs do you have to put in front of the population before enough of them say, oh, I see where this is going. I see what you're up to. I see that there's no rational basis for this. 
I mean, I, I would have thought that when Australia was, was slammed with this Omicron wave, now, okay, when I say slammed, a bunch of people had a running nose. And, yeah, you know, and, and a headache and felt cooked for a few days. But, you know, our hospitalisation rates did go up and we had uh, a spate of deaths. Were, were they with COVID, from COVID, you know, nothing to do with COVID, but a bogus test that the person had, you know, was, was positive for SARS-CoV-2, like whatever. But, but I would have thought that there'd be a, a large percentage of the population who saw that happen, like all these people have been double jabbed and a fair, fair few of them have been boosted. And guess what? They got it anyway. They ended up in hospital. Some of them ended up dead. And there, there, there was a significant percentage of, of people who said, huh, this is weird, and began questioning. But a hell of a lot of them, and I can't give you numbers, I mean, um, but, but my sense is that a greater percentage of people, when they saw the abject failure of this shot and of the policy, just doubled down. They attached themselves more firmly to this, this ideology, because that's what it is. It is an ideological uh, belief that the vaccines are safe and effective, you know, vaccines in inverted commas, um, I don't call them that, they're injections, mm. but they're safe and effective and mandate safe lives and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure I'm sure you heard a lot of people say this. I've I've had reports of this from many many people that when jabbed people that they know um, got sick, they said, "Oh well, it wasn't it wasn't that bad, you know. Like I felt pretty crooked for a few days, but gee, it would have been worse if I if I hadn't had the jab." Yes. And kind of it's just, it's just one of those face palm moments. Um, I must say, COVID's been good for the memers. I've seen some great, great, you know, um, greystone memes. Like, you know, uh, it would have been so much worse if I, <laughs> if I hadn't been jabbed, you know, yeah. on someone's headstone. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's right. I mean, um, there's, uh, who was it? One of the politicians got the woo flu and thanked being jabbed for, uh, for, for something. And it's just like, really? Why? Yeah. It didn't stop you getting sick. If I had it, I don't know because I'm not going to participate in the, in the testing or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I did do the responsible thing once I became aware. As I've done every other time I've felt crook, I've stayed home, got bed rest until I was better and then carried yeah, on Yeah, like life. you stay away from people and you don't cough and sneeze yeah. all over them. It's called manners. Yes. And, but, you know, it's the thing is that, you know, yeah, like how can you say that? How, you know, why aren't these people being booted off social media for medical misinformation, miss, mal, or disinformation, whichever one <laughs> of it is? <laughs> miss, dis, and mal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because they're blatantly lying because there's no mm. way to prove that either way. They could have got it. Yeah. They Actually, they well, might have been. Why aren't they being booted off social media because yes. corporatism, because the social media companies are doing the government bidding? And why? Because they were basically funded into existence by not quite what you call government, but certainly by the deep state. I yes. mean, you know, the story of the of the founding of, of Facebook is, is I think you're familiar with this, the, the replacement of the, uh, um, lo, uh, what was it, the life log program? Yes. That the CIA had been working yes, on? Yes, yeah. yes, And then, they, you know, they, they shelved life log. Oh, we put lots and lots of work into this. You know, we've employed engineers and, and sunk you know, money and time and expertise into it, but we're just not going to go any further with LifeLog. And then, wouldn't you know it, the very next day, uh, Zuckerberg pops up and says, i got Facebook. Mm. Hmm. Yes. I mean, it is. It, it's, 
if you're writing, I don't think you could write a fiction or dystopian novel as good as things have been in the last five or ten years. Oh, that's right. If you wrote it, it would just, people would be incredulous. They, yeah. they would say, this is ridiculous. This, this could never happen. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. Um, now, I want to have a chat about veganism, um, but I might, mm. um, actually, let's do that now and then, then we'll come back on to the Great Reset. So we're just not ranting yeah. about that for whatever. And, and if we were, well, I, I, I think this actually mesh up though. Mm. I think these topics mesh up. Um, mm. I mean, and that, that's it. I, think it does too i um you know obviously being vegan for who knows how long i think it's 30 years or 29 years or something like that. Mm. i can't remember i've lost track of lost count um but you know it, it's the thing is that the philosophy i won't say ideology or anything like that because that gets into that big t-word territory which doesn't exist um and all that sort of stuff but um that i that that philosophy that um i got exposed to and followed and um supported and everything like that has changed fun so much that i i I don't think that the original creators of it, like even the, the, the word or the founding members of the vegan society in the UK would have envisioned it being this corrupt um, in their wildest no, dreams. I, I think they would be horrified at the turn that it's taken. Yes. I can't speak for them, but I, that, that's what I meant. Um, and and I mean, no, my views. I mean, that's that's my views on it. And it, it does frustrate me when the um, socialist slash quote unquote Marxists within the um, movement, and I use that term very very loosely because we're not actually moving anything. Um, we just seem to be um, treading water or making a lot of noise. Um, so it's like that. Let's just call it the squeaky wheel. Um, that squeaky wheel on the trolley doesn't actually do anything and just makes a lot of freaking noise and, and <laughs> upsets everyone else. So, um, I mean, you know. I like that analogy. Yeah, I mean, they, they push it out as, um, you know, that these um, founding people or, or the, the first ones of it were um, anti this and anti that and they had these um, anti-capitalistic views and everything like that. And I... Admittedly, hey, I haven't spent that much time looking at it. I, I don't think that they did in the way that it's being interpreted now. I think it was more like, um, was it Orwell who had, um, yeah, it was just about how bad things are going to get. I don't think that they had that view. I think that um, it, it was just something that, there needs to be equal consideration given to everyone. They didn't know what term to use, so they used animal rights and veganism mm. and, and everything like that to turn around and say in those times how they could say it that would have impact without it being something that oh, people just dismiss straight away. Yes, veganism yeah. was dismissed for, for decades and I'm not making any comments about that because every, everything is dismissed, everything that's new until it hits that little... Yeah, um, and 
For I sure. mean, look, they, they, they did link it to other social justice movements, and, and that's valid. I mean, but, in okay, the same just, way... Just to stop you there, sorry to interrupt, but mm. was it a social justice or was it just, was it is it treating everyone fairly, which goes back to the golden rule, don't do it to others that you wouldn't want done to you? Yeah, so we, we need to get careful with our definitions, don't we? Um, because the, even the term social justice has been really co-opted and, and twisted and what what I mean by social justice and what I, what I thought was formally meant by it is that when, when we see that there are uh, you know, groups within society that, that are routinely discriminated against uh, in, in you know, systemic and, and, and harmful ways, uh, that we aim to overcome this. And, and so, you know, the women's suffrage movement and then uh, the developments of, of that, that was a social justice movement. So I mean, there was half the population who was systemically discriminated it's, against. It's like undeniable. having, you know, it, it's the... The, um, the the social contract that we have for living on this planet and interacting with other members of the community, and it's it's that it's the justice entwined to that to say that hey we've all got to be treated the same rather than as and and correct me yeah. if I'm not going down the path that you're going I'm I'm happy to you know for you wrote me on the back of it saying no Cameron listen I was not talking about thinking about that at all um, that's the way that I interpreted social justice way back then was that it so- relates to the social contract that we've got. Yeah. With the yeah. planet and everyone else for living here and being a functioning member of society and that, that justice part is um, honouring that contract. Yes, yes. I would actually go along with that. And I think, you know, philosophically, really the, the, the most cogent and frankly just the simplest, the easiest to understand uh, formulation of this that I've ever heard was actually Ron Paul saying, look, we, we shouldn't talk of this as, as being there's women's rights and there's black rights and there's gay rights and there's whatever the hell rights. There's human rights, right? There, 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 are, there are rights that we just inherently have as humans. And where the vegans were coming from is, well, why, why limit that purely to humans? They're not arguing, or those early vegans, at least in my understanding of it, they weren't arguing that there was no distinction, there was no difference between humans and non-human animals, but that to sort of draw that line and say, well, humans have the right to live their lives as they see fit as long as they don't interfere with others, and humans have the right to freedom of association, you know, to to uh, form relationships and start families and hang out with who they want to and, and live their lives the way they choose, but animals don't. Like, the vegans were saying, no, we need to rethink this. We, we need to actually see animals through through this through this moral lens. Like they have the right to live their lives uninterfered with uh, by by humans. That's where they were coming from. Yeah, and that's the way I interpret it as well. Is that you know for for that, but then the for want of a better term, the authoritarian left have got into it, co-opted it as something that will push the cultural Marxist views and ideals and then, mm. hey, we've got intersectionality, we've got all these other things which are further dividing people rather than um, uniting people or finding common ground with everyone. It's just further division. Now, just just yeah. going back onto with what you were talking about before, um, the, 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 um, with how you were saying about everyone, you know, we've all got these rights now, 
This is, is one of the, the challenges that I have with the um, devout Christians where they turn around and say, you know, it's God-given rights and, and not dismissing that at all because someone gave us the rights. It's definitely not the state or the government that gave us those rights. So um, mm. whatever your deity is Which that is you believe in. Which is such an important distinction yes. and one, one that has become so, uh, like it's really been brought to the fore in the last few years, this whole mm. notion that... Uh, your, your rights are contingent on how government feels about you that day. Yes, and, <laughs> um, and, yeah. and, and that's the thing with that is that, okay, yep, that's fine. You believe that, um, you know, your God, you know, passed these rights onto you as a, um, a sentient being and everything like that. Well, your creator also created these other beings as well who are also sentient uh, mm-hmm. and have the same social structures, um, complex emotions and everything like that. And they, so, they, they, also, they also have the desire. Like, they, they have desires. They yes. have, um, you know, we, we can denigrate them and say they're instincts, but they're still desires. Yes. You know, animals seek mates. They seek, they seek warmth. They seek food, obviously. Uh, they, they seek, they, like, you know, they, they have certain objectives in mind in order for them to, to live lives that they enjoy living. Mm. And and this is the thing is that, you know, it's yes, but then supposedly we were given, um, depending on whether you're the, the Delphos philosophy of things or, or others, is that it was either stewardship or dominion over over mm. these animals. Now, you know, for me, I take it back to the, the Edenic covenant where it was, hey, you've got every herb bearing seed, blah, 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 that should be your meat. But it's, it's the thing is that, okay, yes, the creator created these beings for us. Okay, think about it when you've got kids. If you create something or you go and buy something for your kids and your kids just treat it like crap, throw it around, abuse it, you're going to be pretty ticked off with them for doing it, even though you've given it to them. So technically it's theirs to do with as they want. So how come that doesn't transfer to our interaction with other animals and the planet itself? And I'm... And, I know it's probably a, a deeper theological discussion, which yeah, um, I, I do see where you're going with with this, and and the danger the danger in it is this this notion, sort of in the Abrahamic um, religion uh, at least. I don't know enough about the other traditions to to make a statement on them, but this notion that only humans have a soul, yes, right, because that that is that is the Christian justification for uh, you know for for not. Not jumping on board with everything that you and I understand as, as, as what veganism represents. So Christians do have that that kind of that moral line in the sand, you might say. Like uh, the animals don't have a soul. God doesn't. God didn't create them in the same way. We're his special, uh, you know, beings, special creations, special species. And so only we, only we have these rights. Yeah, and it is a problem. I mean, um, in of course, the, the founding fathers who wrote the U.S. Constitution did describe them as, as, as being, you know, God-given rights. But I, I think it's also fair to say that the idea of what God was among the founding fathers, like they, they had different ideas about what God was, okay? Mm. Um, so the, the, the term God was used, sounded like a bit of a convenience, really. <laughs> mm. that, that is, I, um, although there's a lot of debate about whether George Washington identified as a Christian, what people say, no, he didn't, what people say, yes, he did. But in any case, there, there, there were probably different views among them. And so they just agreed on the term God because it was commonly understood. But um, so, so if you take God out of the picture, where where do these rights come from? 
And I suppose that's that's where you start moving into into natural law territory, which is really that that you know you have these rights by virtue of having been born on this planet. They're they're just yours. You don't need a god to, to sort of hand you these rights, and you sure as hell don't need a government to hand them to. Yeah, and but and you know and this is the thing is that so many people have allowed. The government to do it, but then also, um, I know that's something we've spoken about before with veganism. Don't trust the government. Don't trust the government. They're lying to you about me. They're lying to you about this. They're lying mm. to me about that. Oh my God! The roof comes out. Yes, believe the government. Um, and I mean, <laughs> on everything. Yeah, it, it's it's, yeah. it's the same thing with with the rights. Are oh, you know the government's? It's the government's thing. I mean, the, the Victoria Police motto um, used to be in Latin, "Tenes droit," and now it's been translated into English, which is "Uphold the right." Well, what right? Or what rights do the Victoria Police uphold? And they don't uphold any of our rights, as we've seen for the last two years. All they are doing is enforcing the um, the, the laws of the state um, yeah. a, a, and all that sort of stuff. So, it, um, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that just baffles me. And um, yes. yeah, so it's uh, it, it's very um, disconcerting, isn't it? It is. When you see the vast majority of people just completely folding and having really not putting any thought whatsoever into what they're being told and the massive contradictions in it, let alone, let alone really coming to grips with the philosophical question of what are our rights? Where do they come from? You know, does government actually have the right to take away our rights? Yes. They, they, they don't ever think about that. It's just, oh, big scary virus, do what the government says. But, Honestly. But then, I, uh, you know, that was the thing. Okay, if the government does have the right to take away our rights, don't we have the right to take away the government's rights? Because without the government, without us, the government wouldn't be there. So mm. it's that big thing. Well, hey, hang on. And, and all that sort of stuff. But it, it just baffles me, just winding back to, to veganism again, is that all mm. these people um, and... I'm not sure what your views are on Chris Force and everything like that, so I'm, you know, not going to get into that. Um, I've got fairly definite views about him. I think um, he's doing the wrong thing um, with what he's done, the movie um, and all that sort of stuff. But that's my views on um, veganism and, and uh, equal consideration for other animals and all that sort of stuff. But you have to look at all the people that were willing to sit down in the middle of the street, go to prison, jump over fences in farms, lit possibly get shot mm. to to take a couple of pigs out of a cage or to um, bring awareness mm. to, to whatever it is, and yet they're not doing, you know, they're, they're happy sitting there when the government turns around and says, oh, no, you can't go and see your friend six k's away. Oh, yes, yes okay, that's all right because yeah. I've got to look, so, I've got to so save they, grandma. Yes, they, they, want to, they want to affirm animal rights. Okay, that, that's good. I'm all on board with that. But then when it comes to you know, planting their flag on human rights, they're nowhere to be found. And and that's that's my thing is that all of that and with the vegan movement being so quiet about this woo flu stuff has just reaffirmed everyone's belief that it's an animal's first organisation. They just care about animals. They don't give a whoop to you about humans. And and part of, part of that, I'm not saying that this is the entire explanation, but part of that was that, as as you know very well, the, the story, the fairy story, we were told very early on in this, was that, 
you know, a pangolin and a snake, no, a pangolin and a bat, and, yes. you know, had a, had a sort of, you know, amorous encounter and, and between the two of them cooked up a, a coronavirus, like, okay, right. Um, and that all this had taken place in a wet market, which is, you know, to a vegan, a wet market is kind of like, I don't know, some, some sort of uh, rallying cry, I guess. It's almost like the, the physical embodiment of, of everything that vegans rail against, the, the fact that animals are sold live and they're slaughtered on the spot and people kind of buy them by the pound and all this sort of stuff. Um, and so when that story was first circulated, vegans, a lot of vegans jumped on board and said, see, 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 you know, this is why you shouldn't eat animals. And it really, it really kind of fed into vegan ideology. And I still see vegans claiming to this day that, you know, SARS-CoV-2 is of zoonotic origin, as in um, it, was, it was sort of created through human intervention in the lives of animals. Well, yeah, it kind of was, but not in the way they're thinking, yes. I mean. Yes. And, and so they, they will deny, they will absolutely deny any, any involvement of the Wuhan Institute of Virology, when you point out to them that there were no bats sold in, in the, you know, the Huanan, um, my pronunciation is probably off apologies for the Chinese listeners, but that, that seafood market in, in, in Wuhan, there were no bats there. And the, 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 the point where the pandemic um, began, or was you know, said to have begun, is actually when the bats are hibernating. The nearest bats are like, what, over a thousand miles yeah. away? Yeah. And... And the, the Chinese now, you know, can, can you believe them? But they, they, they claimed that they had taken samples of pretty much every animal that was sold in that market and they didn't find any of the virus there. So there's, there's just the, the evidence that it was a zoonotic, a zoonotic origin in that, in, in, in some sense of, you know, humans interfering with the way that live animals live. The evidence for that is, is basically as close to zero as you can get. The evidence that this was the result of um, by mad professors in, in virology labs tinkering around with, with viruses is virtually watertight. And yet you've still got vegans who, who cling on to this wet market origin hypothesis. It, it's it, it, it's my mind. It, it, it's a brick wall moment where you just want to bang your head against every brick wall because <laughs> you get more... The rules of evidence clearly don't apply here. Like you, you know, these people cannot think logically. They are so rusted on to their ideological position that, that you can't attach them with with facts. <laughs> it, it is okay. Now, you've mentioned ideological position. So, man, I, I'm picking so many segues about things that you say. Um, now, there was um, something that came out. Oh, I think about four or three months ago, or something like that. There was an Oxford University debate, um, and it was. Um, I'm not sure what the exact topic is, but essentially it was about moving um, moving away towards a meat-free diet or something like mm. that. Um, obviously three... I, I, think, I think it was should meat be off the menu or something like that. Yeah. Um, so there was three on the, the side of yes and, a, um, and then three on the side of no. Now, I can't remember who the other two on each side were, though I know on the yes side was Carol Adams and on the no side it was Michaela Peterson. Now... Um, Michaela Peterson, for those who came in late, um, is Jordan Peterson's daughter. They are both on a carnivore diet, so um, they need, eat nothing else apart from um, lamb. Um, that's their red meat that they eat. Uh, I don't think at 
listening to Joe Rogan's podcast that he that um, Jordan Peterson did, I, they don't supplement. So um, it's wow. all just red meat, and I'm actually really, really concerned for for them all. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so she was there, and then Carol Adams was obviously one of the the um, pushing the, the plant based or, or getting meat off the menu or, or the the pro side for the argument. Um, now I think that with her getting up and saying the things that she did. Um, has really reaffirmed that um, the veganism from when I was young, when I first did it, is completely different to what it is now. Um, And um, it it concerns me that there's going to be a whole lot of new people jumping on that bandwagon because they've seen an authority figure and all that. Now, um, I'm... Getting more and more disillusioned with that "quote unquote" movement um, every time I read something from them, and um, it's it's not just me being um, uh, negative about it or anything like that. I think that with everything that um, Carol Adams said, in that disenfranchises the the ones that we want to get into veganism the most, and that is males. Um, and oh, yes. even to the that point was, of that was so distressing yes. for me to watch. Just, just how, just how polarizing her whole discussion of this topic was, and the 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 saddling of men. You know, men and and the patriarchy are the cause of everything that's bad in the world. Now, look, I mean, I, I think we can both agree. That in in the past there has been significant oppression of of women by men, and it wasn't that long ago. But uh, it, it's also it also has to be acknowledged things are one hell of a lot better. They are just so mm. much better now for women to the point where there are certain uh, groups of men who are doing far worse than women on the whole. Yep. Particularly working class men. Yep. So the this this whole the, the this lumping in that, that she did of you know white supremacy, associating white supremacy with meat eating, I think that would be a bit of a shock to you know non white people who who enjoy meat and have always prioritized meat. It'd be a big shock to indigenous people. She you know, she talked about the 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 Native American tribes who were vegetarian, really, and who were they? Yeah. Certainly there were a lot of, of Native American tribes who were agricultural, you know, this whole image that we have of the, the Plains Indians galloping around and, well, I mean, they had horses after after the after white settlement, of course, but previous to that, you know, Plains Indians, however they got around before they had horses, shooting the buffalo and this and that and the other. Um, like, I, I agree with her, this, this image of, Engines as just uh, like th- these this handful of, of, of tribes that we white folk are familiar with, when when in fact there were so many different tribes and many different languages and cultures and all the rest of it. And yes, a significant proportion of Indian tribes or Native American tribes were actually settled agriculturalists. They weren't vegan. Mm. <laughs> they weren't even vegetarian. I mean, they ate mostly plants because 
that was what they could easily get, and that was that was a reliable source of food. But it's undeniable that all these cultures prized animal products, and among the the few remaining pockets of, of gatherer hunters who still walk this earth, they prize animal products. And for for people like Carol Adams, who is you know supposedly a social scientist, for her to either be ignorant of that fact, for her to be so so unaware of what anthropologists have found when they actually go and live among these people and, and they, you know, they learn enough of the language to, to talk to these people. These people actually do prize animal products. Even when they've got abundant plant food to eat, they still complain, for example, of feeling hungry when they don't eat meat. There is great celebration when <laughs> occasionally successful and bring home something dead to, to, to cook up on the fire. So for her to say that meat-eating is white supremacist, it was just so ridiculous. And then for her to explicitly tie um, meat-eating to the patriarchy. Now, okay, it, it is true that meat-eating has been associated very strongly with masculinity and not just in Western cultures, in non-Western cultures too. I mean, if you look at, um, at various food taboos, at various sort of restrictions in different cultures on who can eat what and who's not allowed to eat, eat whatever. Taboo mm. on, on the consumption of any particular animal products. More often than not, that taboo uh, applies exclusively to women and, and girls. So, again, I mean, the, the notion that meat eating is white supremacist and an outcome of the patriarchy is, is just is ludicrous on its space. And this whole conflation of all these different issues that Carol Adams made in, in that speech was just, uh, I, I, was, I actually felt really irritated, distressed, annoyed, and, and frankly despondent when I heard that. I was like, what hope have we got for this movement? I'd have to say the other impression that I had is that she's running after the, the SJW train. So, you know, we, 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 we've got the, the, um, the, the trans activists and the LBQ, uh, or whatever the hell that acronym is now. Sorry, Cameron's listeners who are offended, but no, I'm not, I'm not fully up on the, on yeah. the full acronym, it, whatever it, the heck. It increases now. Um, it ended up as three letters. It started off as, as three letters. Actually, it, yep. I, I don't think it did. It was just... Yeah, it started off as the three letters, and now it's gone to lesbian and gay, and then bisexual, and then yeah, yeah so whatever the heck that is. So, so you've got this whole, you know, SJW train, which has got the the uh, you know the, the white supremacist activists on board, like the critical race theorists and the and the trans activists and whatever the hell else. And you know, in my mind, I was picturing Carol Adams running after that, running after that wagon, and saying, "Oh, oh, don't leave me behind! I've got veganism. Can I throw that on on, on your SJW wagon too?" Yeah. <laughs> that, that was just the impression. I had. She she was trying very artificially, in my opinion, to to sort of graft veganism onto this whole other raft of, of social, uh, you know, like in inverted commas, social justice issues. Frankly, to me, this is a distortion. This is a a uh, dare I say, a perversion of the notion of social justice that, that I grew up with. And, and by this, I mean this whole, um, you know, crockpot of, uh, of, as you say, you know, Marxist ideologies, really, they, they come out of the Frankfurt School 
um, uh, so so they're 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 not they're not they're, they're not exclusively Marxist, but they certainly have a neo-Marxist um, um, you know angle to them. And you know, so far, so far, veganism hasn't been included in all of that, right? And, and it, it I don't think it ever will. That. I don't no. think it ever will. I hope to God it doesn't. No, um, I mean, I um, spent time in, in the union movement in a, a previous part of my life and mm. none of them were even receptive to anything to do with veganism. And it's, you know, if, if you can't get the, the union movement to get on board with it, then what hope is there of getting the normal left, for want of a better term, to get on board with it? So Yeah, I, but I'd also say, Cameron, that, that the old, you know, what, what you and I grew up with thinking of as the left, um, including the union movement, that's not the left anymore. Yes, The, yes. the, the new left despises the working class. Mm. You, you can really see that in, in the response to the truckers. The new left looks down upon, you know, the, the, the workers because they're just not woke enough, yep. you know. Um, and J- James Lindsay's actually made this point really well uh, initially in, in the book that he co-authored with Helen Pluckrow's um, Cynical Theories. He's got a new book out, which I confess I haven't yet read, but, but he discussed it on Tom Woods' podcast and, I, and I've got to get it. it it's... It's, um, I've forgotten the name of it, but if you just look up James Lindsay, it, it's his latest book. And um, so in, in his latest book, he's really, uh, whereas in, in Cynical Theories, he, he and Helen Pluckrose really disputed the notion that all of this you know, social justice nonsense was Marxist. He's actually come around, he just view it as being Marxist. So that's what he was discussing with Tom Woods. Um, that's what he's covering in the latest book. So... Anyway, sorry, I went off on a tangent and I've got what I was going to say. Um, so uh, where were we? Bring, bring me back on, Cameron. Um, <laughs> the, the, that it won't be part of the left. Um, vegan won't be adopted. Oh, yes. By, by, oh, vegans yes. won't be adopted so, by the left. Yeah. Uh, so, so this notion of, oh, you know, workers of the world unite. Well, yeah, so we saw how that went down in Canada. Workers mm. of, the, of the world, you know, unless you're kind of, you know, truck drivers with unacceptable views, in which case these, these people who, who call themselves leftists will just completely throw you under the bus and they will cheer as the government takes your rights away. Like, who are these people? What is the left? It, it, it's unrecognisable from the left that I knew as a... You know, as as a well, I was I was growing into political awareness. I won't say as a child, but certainly yeah. by my teens. Okay, so here, here's something for you. Now, it, it's um, a thought that I'm developing. Um, it, it it just came as a while I was lying in bed one night uh, that, for that. I mean, I think that if if veganism is to survive, I my thoughts are that we need to be or it. The movement, it whatever whatever that organic substance is that that supposedly is guiding veganism, I think that it needs to be targeting what, for want of a better term, the conservatives or the right more because they're the ones who will be more receptive to it. And and hear me out for it. So it's the thing. Okay, the the biggest gripe about the right is uh, from the right about it is that. Um, veganisms are telling people what to do. Well, you know, you're controlling my meat. The government's getting, you know, you, you, I can't eat meat. Well, on the other hand, the government through their um, different parts is controlling everything to do with animal products. So if yeah. most conservatives or libertarians want the government out of their lives, the easiest thing that it can do is 
stop farming animals. Then that way the government won't be in there. Um, go for organic because there's no government regulation on organics. It's um, the only government regulation from what I understand and happy to be corrected is that you can't use the term organic unless you've been certified. Now, they're, mm. um, um, or they're not government certification bodies. They're sort of like um, a, a free market certification body. That's, so there's that's a couple of correct, different ones. yes. So yes. my thoughts are move more to the organic produce. You're treating the land better, which is you're being a good steward of your creator's um, thing that, things that your creator has, has done for you. Um, mm. There's improved longevity uh, and all that sort of stuff. You're getting rid of all the crap out of your system um, and it, it just allows you to get away from the, uh, the, the the tentacles of big government and everything like that and corrupt markets and all this mm. other stuff that the right is. And, 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 you know, I use that term in italics or inverted quotes or commas or whatever it is because I don't know how else to describe it. Um, you know, that's what they despise and yet they're still pushing the shit that allows this crap to continue. Whereas if they just turn around and said, all right, that's fine. We won't eat, we won't farm animals anymore. We'll, we'll just farm soybeans. We'll just farm alfalfa. We'll just farm whatever else that we can do that will give us the same nutrients and become yeah. better stewards of the land. Now, that's my thoughts on it. I'm happy for you to say, Cameron, you're pushing that load of excrement I... up a very steep hill there. Um, I think that's a very hard message to sell. I totally agree. Right. Totally for, agree. For it's a, a hard one. For a number of different reasons. Um, one, one of which is, you know, having having spent uh, a lot more time, uh, I, I suppose, not necessarily physically hanging around with, with such people, but, you know, um, through through various podcasts and media, uh, having more, more contact with, with the ideological right, I suppose, over the last few years. First up, they are really, really enamoured with the idea of uh, animal-centric regenerative agriculture. And in particular, they, they really lionise Alan Savory, the, the South African farmer who, who claims that, you know, the, the solution to everything is to is to do this, this sort of rotational grazing. And but hang on, the, so is the left. The left is focused on that too, which is through um, Extinction uh, Rebellion, I think it was. They were pushing regenerative farming. Um, Andy Medic, but one of his staff, entirely different type of regenerative farming, one that is not animal centric. Okay, I thought I thought what um, they were pushing was animal centric, and it oh, was interesting. yeah, okay. yeah, it, no, it was. I might have missed that. It was all, and that was one of the, the big concerns about it is that you know what you're pushing, and and this is one of the gripes that I had with Andy Medic as well, is that you know regenerative farming is that if the um, average person looks at it, their first exposure to it will be animal-centric one and then they'll just look further at that. It's unless they've got a plant-based foundation, they're not going to look at non-animal regenerative farming. And, you know, it, you know, it may be, oh, you're being semantic and, and all that sort of stuff, but it, it's if you want to get someone involved in it, you've got to get to something that is different to what they're doing because they'll just look for the same information that reaffirms their op- opinion but then allows them to make... Um, non-comfort um, zone disrupting decisions. Yeah, yes, 
Yeah. Oh, look, I, I take your point again. Um, I really think that's a hard one to sell. Like in, in terms of in terms of the interference of, of government, the way that that you know the people of the right are advocating handling that is for people to to form personal relationships with a, a rancher, and you know go go and buy grass-fed beef in a, in inverted commas um, directly from them. You know so. So they are seeing themselves as sort of extricating themselves from government control by doing business, you know, direct with the with the farmer who actually uh, raises and slaughters the animal. But there's still government the, control there, and 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 that's the thing is that whether it's the ear tags, whether it's the you know you've got to oh, register your true. property and everything like that. So um, yeah, yeah. And, and then the the other thing is that the right, uh, not it's not that they're all Christian, but. A, 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 a Christian beliefs are more common in people who associate with the right and the left, obviously. And once again, you run into this problem of their philosophical belief that um, that God created the animals for humans to use. So it's a tough one to sell. Yeah. Having said that, I actually think that Derek Bros is a really good role model for all of this because he is he is vegan for you know, spiritual and ethical and health reasons. And he's also very, you know, libertarian, uh, very get the state out of, out of my life. And he set such a good example of how to have these, these conversations with people who currently eat meat. And, you know, how to, how to, how to sort of... Um, so, so Derek Bros's, uh, uh, his come from, if you want to call it that, is that... His own experience of being deprived of, of liberty, um, he was actually in prison for a time. I'm, I'm, I think it was drug charges, I'm not 100% sure, so don't quote me on that. Mm. Sorry, Derek, if I got that wrong. Anyway, he did spend time in prison, and of course being deprived of, of, of his personal liberty uh, gave him pause for thought. And I, I believe that he became vegan as a result of that imprisonment. And, and so, you know, philosophically and spiritually, he sees... It's kind of like... Um, his personal, his personal freedom, um, his, his attachment to his own personal freedom, which was which he was deprived of, gave him an insight into what happens to animals when we deprive them of, of their freedom and liberty, and when we exploit them. And so, he sees himself as being philosophically inconsistent if he's an advocate for human freedom and not for the freedom of animals. And sure, you know, there are some that that that's a that's a fairly philosophically elevated argument and, and you might have to lead with something a little bit lower brow. <laughs> but but ultimately if the discussion that you're having is 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 about is about liberty, it's about freedom and about rights, well it, it is incredibly morally inconsistent for humans to say we have rights. And we have the freedom, you know, we, we have the right not to be exploited and abused. But when it comes to animals, we can deprive them of their liberty and we can abuse them. And, and, and that's the thing. And that's, that's my thoughts. I, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park. I think it's going to be a huge challenge to mm. do it. Though I think if the movement wants to survive or it wants to, be, um, to have any um, legitimacy about it, that's what it needs to do. Now, mm. that being said, Clearly. I mean... It, it, it's the thing. Um, now I just forgot what I was going to say. Um, 
I just do test patterning music for a while while I think about it. No, train of thought's gone. Um, no, it's gone. I just won't worry about that one. He's just died. It's gone. It's Friday gone. afternoon. It's gone. I'll just. Oh, no, it'll, it'll come to me when I'm talking about it'll elephants pop back into or your I'm head talking about something on. different. Yeah. Yes. So, okay, now. Um, we touched on um, libertarians and all that sort of stuff. Now, um, are you willing to talk about politics, or is that a bit of a no-go area? A bit of a oh no, let's let's jump okay. in. Okay, so um, for those who are on Twitter, um, ah, who was it? Can't remember who it was. Um, I'll have to find out the, the tweet, but. Turned around and because everyone's jumping on board the Liberal Democrats bandwagon now, I'm not mm. sure. I think they've had to change their name to. Um, I I, I yes. don't know what they've changed their name they, to. They they lost their case, and I, yeah. I think they're still they're still called Liberal Democrats, but they've had to sort of tack on some some strange suffix or other yeah, to distinguish so, them adequately from the Liberal Party. Yeah. So, and everyone's jumping on board that bandwagon, and this person put out on Twitter something that um, you know I support and. Um, that it was something that when I was watching the pandemic, the discussion around the pandemic, uh, Dan Andrews in Victoria in the um, Legislative Council, their pan- his new pandemic bill, um, David Limbrick mm. from the Liberal Democrats, who people are putting up as, um, you know, a, 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 a champion of yeah, freedom. Yeah, a champion of freedom and everything like that. Thank you for that. Turned around and is this the whole – this is what – not that I, I, I don't support political parties. I think political parties are, are the problem, not the solution to our they political woes. Are. So they are. that being said, his comment that really took the shine off that party for me was that he came around when he was talking about the detention parts of the bill, agreed, yes, we need some sort of detention. Now, that really – got my goat up and the fact that I think they supported the the terrorism bill that came out two weeks beforehand or something like that. And Le- um, Limbrick also voted in favour of um, no jab, no, no pay for healthcare. Yes, and, and that, was, that was this tweet that came out is that before you think these people are about liberty, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing the tweet because mm. I, I'm not reading in front of me, but that was the thing is that remember that these were the ones who voted for the no jab, no pay, and voted to yes, um, to do to have do. it mandated in these um, industries. So, you know, it, it's yes. yeah. And what um, they're, they're also in favour of private business being allowed to exclude the unjabs from their premises. Yes. So they are in favour of that, which which again, like it's this that there's there's always this tussle in the libertarian world be, between the libertarians who say, well, you know, Twitter's Twitter's a privately owned business and they, they have the right to, to throw people off their platform if they don't like it, like, you know, if they're their own business. Well, no, not if the government's got their hand up Twitter's, you know, rear end mm. <laughs> and it's yes. making them do that. That's, it, it, it's, it's not a matter of, oh, private business has the right to this. They're, they're doing this at the behest of government, which is just so completely opposed to libertarian principles that they, they you know, that, that um mm, that band of libertarians seems unable to see it. Uh, also in, in WA, and I, I cannot for the life of me remember uh, the name of, of this particular person, but it was a Liberal Democrat who, who won a seat, um, again, not sure whether it was uh, 
you know, House of Reps or, or the upper house in, in WA. Uh, what won a seat as a Liberal Democrat and then recently lost it and then went to work for McGowan. Oh, shit. Right? So, so that's, a, that's a party really, like, you know, check them out very, yeah. very thoroughly. I would vote for them ahead of liberal, the, you know, the Liberal Party, you know, the Lib Labs and the Greens, mm. but I wouldn't be putting them number one on, on the ticket. No way. No, and, you know, this is something that I've always copped grief for um, when I was in Queensland talking about Queensland elections and everything like that. My view was always vote independent. It doesn't matter who it is. Mm. They could be a meat-eating, you know, Chain smoking, strip club going, independent. But get them in, and you've got better chance of influencing their decisions and the choices that they make. Because they're not beholden to the party. That's it. That's it. And you know, it was the thing is that at one of the of the elections, I said independent first. Failing that, one nation. Oh, it was a state election. That's right. I said one nation. Um, catters if they're in your area, and mm. then the the majors after that. And I got hammered for supporting mm. One Nation. And so, well, hang on, One Nation want to bring in the upper house in Queensland. And I think that mm-hmm. is far more important than any other, anything else after that because without Absolutely. that upper house in Queensland, you're just in an elected dictatorship. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. No, you're, you're 100% right. And let, let's face it, you know, One Nation has been consistently pro-freedom yes. throughout this entire pandemic. They have consistently demanded... Uh, that the government, you know, cough up data. They've consistently challenged all of these ministers and these bureaucrats. They, I, I, I would never have believed a couple of years ago that I'd be considering voting One Nation. But, you know, I, I'm not going to say that, that I agree with all the policy platforms, but quite frankly, having had a look at the policy platforms recently, not a whole hell of a lot that I, I violently disagree with. And there's a lot that, that I actually do agree with. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing is that with what I, at that state election that I was still in Queensland for, I think it was the big ticket things that were more important, like getting the upper house back than oh, yeah. everything else because without an upper house, man, which is whatever the Premier decides. Oh, Blackachook just runs the dictatorship yes. here. And no, because you're vegan. How can you, oppose, you know, how can you support a hunting thing pro-mining? It's like, mate, I, I don't Because it's not the only that. thing in yes. life. It's not the only aspect of a person's character. Yes. And certainly it's not the only important thing that, that you're concerned about when you're electing someone who is supposed to be representing your interests and the other constituents' interests. Yep. And there was a Watermelons candidate who happened to be vegan, though didn't publicly acknowledge it. It was just something mm-hmm. that was quietly said. Yet, no, you're supposed to fall all over them. Why? I oppose mm-hmm. every policy of the Watermelons. Like, th- yeah. there is just... So many things wrong with everything that they do. Um, I yeah, unfortunately, um, I have to admit, I voted for them years <gasps> ago when I was in my twenties. I know, Cameron, oh, can we still no. be friends? I oh. was young. Oh. Come on, cut me some slack here. Oh. No, but never again, never oh. again. Um, everything that that they're about, I I am just so opposed to. Um, it's it, it's interesting, you know. I um. You may be aware of the campaign that that's, that has been mounted by a kind of like you know, an, an advocacy group to get the federal government to reinstate private health insurance, uh, private health fund insurance, uh, rebates for seeing natural therapists, which 
the, the Morrison government just um, wiped out in, oh, when was it now, 2017, maybe even earlier, I, I don't quite remember. Um, they they had they commissioned a, a panel of you know basically drug industry flunkies to say that nothing nothing in natural therapies had any value whatsoever. Uh, there were a few exceptions, but they yeah. So, so so they actually prevented private businesses, you know, health insurance funds, private businesses. They said you can't actually give people who pay insurance premiums to you. You can't offer the service. That your customers want, okay, um, and and the leverage point was, of course, that the government provides a tax break for people who who take out private health insurance. So, you know, this is where government gets its little slimy tentacles over private business. Anyhow, so I wrote a letter to my local MP um, as part of this campaign, explaining why I thought, you know, it was important that that he raised this issue with, with Scummo and Greg Hunt and... You know, oh, he's, he was part of the WEF too. Oh, yes, Greg yes. Hunt, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, probably displaying, you know, Herr Klaus's book uh, on, on, his, on his bookshelf yes. for all the world to see. Yeah, so um, because I sent the, 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 the email via this, this particular campaign, uh, it was CC'd to a number of people and I, I never heard back from, from the local MP. What I did... The person I did hear back from was the Greens, uh-huh. <laughs> who assured me that, that that they were very grateful for, for my advocacy. Their words, um, and and they they wanted you know absolutely everything covered, like you know free everything, um, and that natural therapists would be very much a part of their their sort of cradle to grave healthcare. I was thinking, yeah, that is that is not what I wanted. And if you'd read my letter. What, what my letter was, because, you know, my local member is, is um, a Liberal Party member, and my letter was, was basically uh, put more politely than this, but what the hell is your, your party, the party that is supposed to represent freedom and liberty, what the hell were they doing interfering with the operation of a private business and you, if you have any, you know, actually, I, I found something on the, um, the Liberal Party sort of whatever they call it, their statement of values or whatever, and, and, and put that in, in, in the letter. Like, here is a principle that you say you adhere to as a member of the Liberal Party, and this policy contravenes them, you know, nine ways to Sunday. What have you got to say about that? So, of course, he had nothing to say to me. Um, yeah, and then I get this this email from the Greens, which is like, to hell with public with, with, with private enterprise and the free market. We're just going to have the government supply everything. And, and like, okay, so so great. Now I'm going to to have a government regulator. You know, if a government regulator or if the government pays me for providing services, the government owns me, right? So currently, because naturopaths are not registered. I'm not under I'm not under the purview of, of APRA, so I can write all sorts of critical pieces on APRA, and I can you know, publicly criticise the, the the government's pandemic policy, and I I can't get investigated and deregistered like like you know APRA members are. So you know, getting this this email from the Greens saying, "Oh, don't worry, we've got your back. We'll bring you into the fold." No, thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll do my own thing over here. Thanks all the same. I do not want to be brought under this fold. I do not want to be on a government stipend with all of the state control over me and what I say and how I practice that it necessarily entails. Yep. And it, mm, um, it, it, it's the thing is that it just baffles me that so many people just look at that and look at a couple of little talking points that the watermelons have got and jump on that bandwagon. Um, you, do, you, do you understand why they're called the watermelons? Yes, <laughs> green on the outside, outside and red, red in, in the middle. middle. Yep. <laughs> I, yep. I listen to James Dellingpole. <laughs> yep. oh, I've, I've had that for years and, and it's just like, yep, that's what they're like. And uh, it's yeah. just, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that for you and, and anyone else. Yes, that was listening and, and, and for the listener, yes, who yes. um, didn't quite get the reference. Yeah. And, yeah. But, you know, it, it's the thing is that, yeah, it's, you know, you've, you've got to look at their other policies. You can't just go on one of the ones exactly. that's passionate with, you know, that, that you're passionate about. And forget mm. about everything else because... That's 100% right because you buy the whole package. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, um, mm, um, won't go there with that one. Now, um, talking about buying the whole package, still going to stay in the political thing. Mm. How, much, how much are you aware of the public monarchist debate? Boy, I mean, I'm not aware of its latest permutation. Okay. Okay, that's all right. Won't talk about it then. Um, but you know, I was, no, you know, I, no, I won't even give you my thoughts on whatever else. We'll just leave that one alone. Um, now, I want to jump back to talking about. I'm, I'm an anarchist, by the way, so I just, I just don't want anyone as a head. Oh, me. yeah, yeah, t- totally agree. And and I, you know, leave me to my own. Let me look after my house. Um, if someone comes in, then I've got. Should have private property rights to be able yeah. to do what I have to That's to right. protect that and property. And I'll, I'll choose my community. Thank yes. you very much. Yes. And I'll interact with my community in mutually beneficial ways. Yes. And you, the state, can stay the hell out of that. Yes. And you, your only job is to make sure that my rights aren't infringed upon. And if they are, you do something about it. Mm, mm-hmm. Um. And and yes. So yeah. And if you fail in that, I'll get someone else. Yep. To do it. Yep. Or, fully or, agree you with know, that. Jo- join with others yes. um, who had the same idea. Um, so I wanted to jump back onto a bit of a discussion about the series of therapeutics. Um, I think we've mm-hmm. spoken about Robert Malone before. Um, I believe we have. Yes. So Yes, yes we did. We, we, we sort of did a, a bit of a dissection of his appearance on Rogan. Yeah. Um, now, since that time, he's appeared on um, Glenn Beck's Blaze TV or Blaze Network or whatever it was, I think it was an hour and a half, uh, two hours or two and a half hours um, podcast. It was um, don't look on YouTube for it because there's a heavily censored version of it. Have a look on wherever you get your podcast or join the Blaze. That's where you'll get the uncensored version. Yep. Okay, um, good tip. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Although I, I do subscribe to Robert Malone's Substack and I, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't mention that, but I haven't got around to, to watching the interview yet. He, like... Listening, like, you know, I've been listening to Glenn Beck for a while and, and been a conspiracy therapist for a while. Like someone, one of <laughs> one of his guests said, I'm a conspiracy therapist. So I was like, beauty, I'm going to take that to him. I'm not a conspiracy <laughs> I, I theorist. I was using conspiracy realist for, yeah. for, for quite some time. I'm a yeah. conspiracy therapist. So, um, <laughs> I like that one too. And I, this, this podcast was the only one that I've heard or looked at New World Order and all that don't really 
scare me as much as what this one did. Yes, I'm, I'm petrified of, of it coming. I'm doing everything that I can to, to stop it coming, hence the reason I'm talking about it now with you and, and have my rants and all that sort of stuff in my podcast. Um, but with what he was talking about, um, it was concerning. He, they touch on Ukraine at the end of it, but the point that I, bit that I want to get into was um, he had a bit of a discussion about shedding from those who have had the jab. Now, he what he said, and, and paraphrasing it a bit, and, it, you know, the, the fog of time may have got things a little bit jumbled up, so, um, I, you know, not to be quoted or used verbatim, but his thing from what he said was when he first um, – some young kids or, or some young males or something like that contacted him about it, concerned about um, vaccine shedding in bodily mm-hmm. fluids – when they yes. go out and do what young people do and all that sort yes. of stuff. At that point in time, he dismissed it and said, you know, if if, if that's what you're concerned about, you've got other, you, you know, there's really other things that you could be concerned about than that. Yeah. There are a couple of papers that he said have come out recently that indicate there is something there and his view is that it should be given further consideration. Um, that... Um, I, I know you haven't read it and and all that. So listen to it, or, or probably read the the reports. But I've I've not read the papers that he's referring to. Yeah, it is something that is concerning. Is that these people can shed something, and then also I, comes I, I would I would say that I I believe that I have well I I have not experienced this firsthand, but I believe that several of my clients have, and the most disturbing of these was a, a woman who um, I'm just going to mask her identity as much mm. as I can. Um, a woman who had not had the jab herself and it had become a you know point of contention between she and her husband but uh, to the best of like you know, she she had no idea but she did not think that, that he had it right so they did what husbands and wives do and she began uh bleeding, menstrual bleeding, very heavy and before she was due. And the bleeding got to the point where she'd lost so much blood she was admitted to hospital with a haemoglobin in the low 50s, which uh, if people are not familiar with what your haemoglobin ought to be, uh, you know, below below about 120, um, you're anemic and, you know, below 80, it's, my God, let's get you into hospital, you need a transfusion. And it uh, subsequently emerged that her husband had, unbeknownst to her, um, gone off and had the jab um, before this happened. And he will not tell her exactly when he had it because he thinks that she is crazy for believing that, that he, having had the jab, has anything to do with it. Shit. Yeah. Now, she previously had had, before this happened, uh, she, she uh, experiences migraine. And she previously noticed that when she spent um, time, you know, sort of closely communicating with with people who'd recently been jabbed, that, that it seemed to trigger a migraine. So, you know, what, what I'm saying is that there are some people who appear to be more susceptible to these effects than others. And my my hunch is that there's an underlying autoimmune or inflammatory issue that makes them predisposed, but that's just a hunch. Um, clearly, or, well, I... I am very certain that this this phenomenon needs to be taken seriously. It definitely needs to be researched. We we, we don't know 
what it is. Look, I mean, you know, early, fairly early on after these reports came out, Roger Hodkinson, who is the, um, I, he's of British origin, but, but he lives in, and practices in, in Canada. And after probably a couple of weeks into when these reports started to emerge of people getting these, you know, shedding or transmission effects, he was interviewed by, if I remember rightly, I think it might have been Taylor Hudak from um, Last American Vagabond. I could be wrong about that, but I think it was on um, Vagabond. And he said, look, it's plausible. And uh, they, they may be excreting it by saliva um, or sweat. Those, those, were, those were the two routes that he thought were plausible. So I'm a little surprised, actually, that Malone was a bit late to the party on this one. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, um, I think, man, with all the other stuff that he's probably got to look at, it it, mm. you know, it, it could have been something that slipped through the, you know, slipped under the oh, radar. Oh, yes, a- absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, uh, yes, he was involved in the development of mRNA technology, but that was a long time ago. Mm. And it was very much just, it was, it was you know, it was bench top stuff. Uh, they hadn't stuck it in humans yet. Yeah. Um, and, like, if you can, I do recommend listening to it because it is yeah. um, it is okay. an uncensored I, one. I will so, look it up. Yeah, mm. so, you know, Glenn Beck's not on Spotify, so he doesn't have to worry about, <laughs> you know, Neil Young and, and a whole lot of other has-been um, artists who actually oppose big government and government interaction. Um, yeah, and Neil Young, Neil Young, well <laughs> against the government. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, oh. That was a disappointment. I, I, I had to say I was a Neil Young fan and now I'm not. Mm. There you go. Um, it is. So, yeah, um, being mindful of the time, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Um, did want to talk about – so one of the things that he does mention is um, the um, biological things that could be going on in the Ukraine that the government has supported. Yeah. Um, and because his background, of course, is with the Defence um, yes. Threat Reduction Agency, so yes. he's been you know up to his eyeballs in Department of Defence stuff for you know his uh, a good a good chunk of his career anyway, and he's still got connections. Yeah, you know, and it, it is with what he uh, alluding to, or you know what you could think would be out there. It is concerning that the conflicts going on out there and we're not mm. being told about the government-supported things out there. All we're being said is, hey, the big bad man in Russia is going to use biological mm. weapons or chemical weapons. Oh, and absolutely. And that, that interchange between um, Marco Rubio and the uh, truly repulsive Victorian Newland, um, I'm not saying that in any sense about her appearance or whatever, that woman is is just a a moral cesspool. Mm. Um, so did, you you saw that one, right? Where where Rubio asked her what? Well, um, Glenn Greenwald's take on that exchange was that Rubio threw a Dorothy Dixer at her. Mm. Like he he thought he thought she was going to say like so so sorry for the benefit of your listeners who haven't seen this exchange. Um, Marco Rubio, who is a Republican um, of Cuban extraction. Um, so he asked Victoria Newland, who who has been essentially given the Ukraine as her personal fiefdom by the 
Bush, Bush Jr. regime and then the Obama regime. So isn't that interesting how she slid from a Republican administration to a Democrat mm. administration? And then Trump wouldn't have her, but now that Biden is is in, she's she has got her fiefdom back. So she was re- she was very largely responsible for the engineering the 2014 overthrow of democratically elected president of Ukraine and replacing him with with a U.S. controlled puppet. The comedian. So, so uh, no, no, there was uh, the comedian is is is. He wasn't the he wasn't the the first pick. So so there was a president who served before him. His name mm. escapes me right now. It'll come to me in a sec. Um, Paolo something I think I think it starts with a P. Anyway, so so Zelensky is a more recent. You know, like he he was elected more recently after this initial puppet. Zelensky, I I, I think is even more of a puppet. Anyway, so Rubio asks Newland. Uh, does does the does the Ukraine have or does Ukraine have any of these bioweapons labs? And Newland, very uncharacteristically for her, answers in this sort of very hesitant, halting way. Well, they have these you know bio labs, biocontainment facilities, and you know they're basically making sure that the the germ warfare that the Russians brewed up doesn't get out there and. And, and, and we're really concerned about these, these agents falling into Russian hands. And then Rubio says, but if there was a, a biological weapons attack, you know, do you have any doubt that it would be the Russians initiating it? And Newland replies, oh, no, no doubt at all. 100% it would be the Russians. You know, this is just the sort of thing they do. This is standard you know, Russian tactics of, of um, accusing their enemy of, of, of what they're in fact doing. Mm. <laughs> it's like pot, meat, kettle. Yeah. Um, anyway, so so Glenn Greenwald's take on this was that uh, Rubio threw her a Dorothy Dixer, got a surprising answer, and then tried to backpedal. I'm not so sure. I actually think that this is the planting of the fourth flag, and uh, this whole exchange was intended to get out into the public this notion that the, the Russians are going to deploy a, a biological weapon and I mean, who knows what they actually have in those in those labs? Certainly, the the in the Soviet era, they were working on biological warfare agents, as were the as were the Americans and the Brits. I mean, Porton Downs got some really you know interesting um, life forms that, that have escaped from time to time. Cause a number of people to get sick. Uh, so, so the U.S. has had a biological weapons pro, um, program. So did the Russians, um, so did the Chinese, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, lo- lots of different countries have. That's an undeniable fact. Now, what do the Ukrainians have? You know, what's in those labs? We don't know. I mean, you know, because <laughs> they were shredding all the documents in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> taking everything to- offline. So, so we don't really know. And, and even then, I mean, it's not like they would have had a complete inventory of, yeah. of, of all the all the weird crap they they, they cooked up in there. Um, the really concerning, the really concerning. Um, I mean, God. Let's not say the really concerning. One of the extremely concerning possibilities here is that there there may be some genetically targeted biological weapons that are that are being brewed up. And this possibility was actually written about by by Robert Cadlett, uh, who's a real snake. If you want to know about Robert Cadlett, um, there's a, a great series. That Whitney Webb did on her website, Unlimited Hangout, multi-part series, and uh, there's 
the, the department's primarily about about Cadillac. It's called um, um, Head of the Hydra or something like that. So so Cadillac has sort of moved again through through various administrations, but um, uh, in the early early years of the so uh, after after President Schraub Bush Jr. was was elected. Um, Cadillac put out a, a, a paper on it was actually part of a part of a book, if I remember rightly, on um, warfare in the in the 21st century. And he wrote about the possibilities for developing biological weapons uh, and all the different ways that they could be tweaked. And and one of them was that biological weapons, which were targeted to particular genetic profiles. Uh, could be developed. And whenever, whenever they write these papers, they're always writing them from the perspective of they're doing it, they might be doing it, you know, the, the Ruskies might be doing it, I bet the Chinese are doing it, or oh, I bet the Iranians are doing it. Never, yeah, actually we're doing it, but we're sure as hell not going to tell you, you pledge that, are we? Yeah. But, so it's all very coded language. It's a fascinating paper, actually. Um, uh, notable in particular for the number of times in which he uses the phrase plausible deniability. <laughs> I'll um I'll find a link to it if you want to put it in the yeah, show notes. Yeah. It's uh, it's a fun read. Oh, man, I just <clears throat> so you oh. know I mean P P Putin of course Putin not a good guy. Oh yeah Definitely yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. There, there, there are there are no good guys in this. No. Um, Putin is is a, uh, a a calculating and ruthless dictator. Um, he. It certainly has no qualms about uh, doing pretty terrible things to his opponents, right? But when Putin was talking about being concerned that the Ukrainian, what 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 is in those Ukrainian biolabs might be uh, weapons that actually target people of, of Russian extraction, he wasn't making some crazy crap up. That's that was my point in, in talking about the Cadillac paper. Uh, this is something that has been floated. That Catholic paper was written over 20 years ago, right? So uh, it's, it's not like Putin woke up one morning, you know, after a fever dream and thought, oh, my God, you know, those, those Yanks are, are, are using the little Ukrainian proxies to cook up something that, that might kill us Russians. That is a possibility. So, and, and this reminds me of a, of a sort of a, a Tom Selleck movie from the 80s or the 90s. I think it was the 90s. Runaway. And it... You know, the world's got robots and all that sort of stuff, and then some evil genius creates a a bullet that's fired out of a gun that only goes after one person. <laughs> and yeah, it's the yeah. thing is that you know, um, I, I know we were talking previously. What did you predictive programming or something like that? Is it just putting all yeah. these things out that hey, yes, so that's, bullets. that's that's um, the interesting debate, yeah, about all of these dystopian sci-fi, whatever you like, that whole genre. Um, is this predictive programming as in you put out these ideas or these, these themes, these storylines that, that seem outlandish, but you, so you present them in the context of art. People know that it's, it's fiction. It's, it's just, you know, their brain's checking out for a couple of hours while they watch this movie or whatever have you. But then, so, so the theory behind predictive programming is that when it happens in real life, as it were, people are more inclined to accept it because it's already been presented to them in a, in a form of narrative. And so that, that's an interesting theory. Yeah. And it, it is. I, I mean, no, no, I was just going to say, it, it, it's, it's one of those things is that, I mean, I, mean well, I know we were talking about it before um, in previous 
you know, um, conversations and everything like that, is that one thing I was always told is that the elites are always telling you what they're going to do. It's, um, you know, yeah. a lot of us are too daft to realise that this is what's coming. Like, you know, th- yeah. that meme that um, Orwell wrote 1984 as, um, as fiction, not as a how-to. Not as a, um, yeah, not as a manual. Yeah, and, and not as a manual. So, I mean, um, yeah, and, and it, it's just one of those things that, yeah, it's, where do you go with it? Um, yes, and, and I, so my, my take on that too is that when it comes to dystopian um, fiction, whether it be, you know, novels, short stories, uh, movies, whatever, I I do think that there there are some there are some you know creators of, of this stuff who who genuinely do see it as being a warning and that is that is most definitely or as far as far as I can tell like from his own writings that's where Orwell was coming from he was writing as a, as a warning he was saying look this is the path where we're heading down and you you can't see it now because it's going to go step by step but let, let me paint you the most terrifying picture uh, that you can imagine. That is where where we're all heading. If you don't look in front of you, you know, take the blinders off and look at this. Now, on the other hand, um, you have people like like H. G. Wells and 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 Aldous Huxley, who were very much part of the elite. And so, you know, novels like like Brave New World, uh, I, I I don't think that Huxley was putting that out there as a warning. He was essentially, it's almost like, you know, painting the picture of, of how this world will be and you and you proles better get used to it okay. because, you know, me, me, and, me and my buddies, we, we, we own the world, we run the world. So what's your view on Jules Verne then with his 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and um, Journey to the Moon and everything like that? So Verne, Verne I don't know. Like I've not... I, I've not come across where, where Jules Verne fits into the whole picture, who he was bud buds with or, or whether this was just a very fertile imagination. So I won't speculate on him. But, but H.D. Wells was very much part of uh, – he, he was a Fabian socialist apart from Oh, yay. God, I love the Fabians. Yeah. And, and George Bernard Shaw, you know, beloved icon of vegetarians. Mm. Um, uh, you've probably seen the video where, where he's – advocating for there being a panel once a year that people appear before to, to justify why they should be allowed to continue to live. Yes, yes, and yes. If they can't come up with sufficient justification, they should be killed humanely, yes. of course. So, yes, the great hero of vegetarian. Mm. Lovely stuff. All right, we're just about out of time. Um, I was going to throw another curly one at you, but I will um, might leave that one for another one. Um, before we save go, the curlies, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll save the curlies for for the next conversation. <laughs> um, just before we go, can you let everyone know where they can find you, your socials, and and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, so I I'm putting most of my time and effort into Substack these days. I really, really like Substack. So so you can you can join my Substack. It's just Robin Tudor, RobinTudor.substack.com. Anyway, if you go to Substack.com and just stick my name in. Uh, Robin R O B Y N and then Tudor C H U T E R. I will I will pop up and you can subscribe to me there. So I, I do my sort of long detailed article once a week and then usually a couple of additional short posts throughout the week. And I'm also doing a, a podcast 
Um, currently, it, it, it's just like the, the audio version of my written articles, but I do want to start doing interviews. So Substack is, is the, the best place to, to jump on board. I'm still on fascist book. I mostly post things um, to annoy people on there now. Yes, um, yeah, that's what I do too. <laughs> I, I, I changed my profile pic to, to the, the NPC um, uh, with, with the sort of blue and yellow behind saying, I support the latest thing, yes. um, just so I could annoy, annoy yeah. quite a few more people. Um, but I don't, I don't post a heck of a lot more on there and I, I don't think I'll stay on there for very long. Um, I have a Twitter account. It's empower, at Empowered Robin. And I don't spend a whole lot of time on, on Twitter because it really is a bit of a swamp. <laughs> um, oh. it's, it's kind of fun to dip in every now it and is. again, but I, I, leave, I leave before the stench gets to me. Oh. Um, and then I, I am on Telegram and I have a, a group called, um, called COVID Truth Bombs and I post interesting things that I'm, I'm reading and things I'm listening to there. So COVID Truth Bombs on Telegram. Um, and then my, my website, empowertotalhealth.com.au, you can jump on my newsletter mailing list and find out what I'm up to there. But my, my, if you're thinking, God, that's, that's just too much work, just, just pop over and follow me on Substack. Yep. All right. Too easy, Robin. Uh, thank you again. Um, dear, I do enjoy these chats because it's just me like, too. it's, we um, cover a lot of ground, yes. don't we? And we, we link a lot of things together, which, which may not appear terribly connected, but it turns out they are. And yeah, and I think that's what people need to wake up for. Um, so mm. I will have you back again, if you're willing to come. I would be delighted. I will find some other curlier ones for you to have, um, have first to have a conversation about. So, yeah. So um, thank you for that and um, we'll talk to you again. Let's do this soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.